Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and this episode may be the most meta yet, as I had the pleasure of discussing, you guessed it, podcasts with the incredible Megan Fitzmartin, creator of the Red Rhino podcast and writer on a little show called Supernatural, which coincidentally is my quarantine binge show of choice. Highly recommend it. If you're an aspiring writer, you must listen to this episode, as Megan gives some invaluable advice on what it's like working in the entertainment industry and writing for audio and visual mediums. I loved having this conversation, and I think that you'll love listening to it, but I just wanted to give a quick caveat that the sound quality is a little different on this one than in some other episodes, because I had to use the audio from our Skype call. I think that the content of the conversation is compelling enough that the somewhat inferior sound quality won't interfere with your enjoyment at all, but there were just a couple of moments of extraneous noises that I couldn't get rid of with my meager audio editing skills, so I apologize if those are distracting. I would like to just say that the timing of this episode is on point, because in our current state of lockdown, this is a great time to get into audio drama if you aren't already. And make sure that you check out Megan's podcast, Red Rhino. Speaking of Megan's, thank you so much to our newest patron, Megan Piper. And to all of our patrons, especially our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Allison Turi, and Jacob Penfold all of whom are probably great at improv, and to our advanced producers, Mara Zobrist and Michael Beck, who would probably know exactly what to do if they got superpowers. If you would like to join this cast of superheroes, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast. We know that this is an absolutely insane time of financial hardship for so many people, and we are so grateful to all of our patrons for your support. Even if it's just $1 a month, it makes a difference. So. Thank you. And now, without further ado, here is episode 60, Podcasts with Megan Fitzmartin. Well, I am so totally excited to have here with me Megan Fitzmartin, one of my absolute favorite people in podcasting, who also happens to be a staff writer on this little show called Supernatural. You might have heard of it. (laughs) She's kind of a big deal. Um, (laughs) uh, Not at all. Not at all. But I I, listen, can you walk around and follow me and just introduce me to everyone? Because that's the nicest intro that I get. Absolutely. I'd be (laughs) thrilled to do that if that became my new job. Uh, That's what I was hearing. My cat's in here. I was like, I thought I heard oh. some noise. It's just my cat. She'll be fine. Um, <laughs> Part of the recording. So Megan, it is. She, you know, she's so fluffy. She kind of absorbs sound. So <laughs> until she starts, until she starts knocking stuff over, right. she likes to rub on the microphone. Mm, she likes to. Mm-hmm. She likes to be part of the the experience. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but so Megan, I'm especially excited to have you because you approached me about a topic that I probably get requests for this topic more than anything else on pairing. <laughs> I can't imagine and why. Not, not, not shockingly, but that is podcasts and na- most 
most notably, I would say probably audio drama, though we don't have to just stick to audio drama. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is where both you and I work mostly in podcasting. Mm -hmm. So I am very excited to talk about some of the podcasts that you have worked on and or created and then talk about some of your faves and we'll pair some wine with them and it'll be it'll be just terrific yeah oh I can't wait yay so Megan you are the creator of a wonderful podcast one of my favorites that I don't so nice oh absolutely and I don't think it gets nearly as much attention as it should Um, and that is Red Rhino um (laughs) So would you like to talk a little bit about Red Rhino, what it's about, how you came up with the idea? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I Red Rhino is a little project that I came up with. Oddly enough, I came up with the idea in college. I, hmm. um, yeah, I, it's, uh, a lot of things culminated in college in the sense that I was not, um, I was not a film major. I was not a writing person mm-hmm. in college I, I always have I've loved to write since I was little but like I was going to college for youth ministry which I've said numerous uh-huh. times in numerous places but it's a weird it's still one of my weird like trivia facts about myself um and I uh was taking a screenwriting class because I wanted to write for radio actually uh-huh. um I I grew up listening to an audio drama um from focus on the family weirdly enough called adventures in odyssey yeah yeah um and it's it's so weird because they deal with like way way tough subjects that like focus on the family as a company don't really delve into interesting um, yeah that's, yeah that's it's fascinating it's really wild it's wild that, like that's sort of how i came to this and like they're still making episodes of this of this audio huh. drama so like i've been aware of audio drama for a long time uh-huh. and wanted to like I've always wanted to write it because it was so influential uh, for my own, like, not just faith, but just, like, being a person. Like, I've yeah. I've talked about this before, but, like, it's especially for um, developing brains anywhere between, like, for young kids, too, but also in teenagers. Like, there's mm-hmm. something really uh, affecting about uh, audio drama as it relates to, like, creating space in your imagination like I think it there's a lot to be said for for being able to uh practice it for lack of a better word yeah absolutely you know it's different than television where like the visuals are given to you Mm -hmm. um you one of my favorite things is to see people's drawings of audio fiction characters because none of them look the same and that's it's amazing. my favorite too it's, it's my amazing. favorite too it's so um, great I love it so much well and that's like my my analogy always is you know if I say imagine a tree you and I will imagine different trees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the content is still there it doesn't matter what color the tree is it doesn't matter what type of tree it is and then you know but it's it's still it, it's making an abstract thought concrete, and that's something that audio drama I think does really well in in helping to create um, abstract thoughts like love and friendship into mm-hmm. sort of concrete ideas. And so, oh, that's a long way to say. Uh, no, that's awesome. <laughs> really into <laughs> audio drama, and then um, I was in like a, in a my like level two screenwriting class, and we had uh-huh. to write this. Um, 
oddly enough, we had to write uh, uh, MOS, a silent film, and I wrote, huh. yeah, and I wrote a silent film about superheroes, and cool. I was like, this, this is too expensive and we'll never get made um right but (laughs) I really liked the idea I created this concept of essentially this down and out superhero who has really dumb powers yeah always always compared to this other much better superhero who happens to be his older brother right and I I've sort of just carried that idea with me for a long time and I loved the concept and I love the idea because the idea is that like it doesn't matter what you do, you still have a responsibility to do something. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, grew into my idea. And whenever I was like, okay, I want to produce my own audio drama. Like, I really want to try and figure out how to do this. And I want to do this. And so I had to think about, like, what story do I want to tell? And I was like, I want to tell a superhero story. Superheroes are a huge part of my identity and my life. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I... I created red rhino and i'm really proud of it (laughs) i love it i love it i was just re-listening to some of it uh before uh well because i i actually i'm not totally caught up i still haven't listened to the second season but i wanted to re-listen a little bit to the first season before our recording session Uh, and it's just so delightful and all of those things that you're talking about i think are really effectively conveyed in it Mm -hmm. and it's like a really absolutely it's a really sweet like really non-ostentatious superhero story which sometimes which can be hard I think you know when you're dealing with like such lofty ideas um Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to walk that line but I think you do just a wonderful job of balancing the humor along with you know morals and life lessons and Mm -hmm. um you know, really great writing, really fabulous characters. So if you I haven't listened that. to Red, oh, of course. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this to this podcast and you have not listened to Red Rhino, go subscribe right now. Oh, um, I appreciate that. Absolutely, uh, and we should also. I realize we should also mention you have another podcast that I you do. co-host, which is very much kind of a sister podcast to this one. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, called Wine and Comics, mm-hmm. which I also love. And if you like this podcast, you will love Wine and Comics. Because <laughs> it, it is, you know, we're all this we're all the same. We're all we're all here. We like to drink wine. wine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is the difference though, is I feel like you're you're the like classier, much nicer podcast for wine. <laughs> ours is especially our early episodes, ours was what is the cheapest wine we can drink and not die from? Like that was, that was so much of our early sort of existence was trying to figure out like, cause we, we've thankfully sort of grown up a little bit more both in wine taste and comic taste. But like when we first started out, we were both incredibly poor and we're like, we can't spend more than maybe $5 on a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And it was, it was, looking back on it real bad for our liver but also yeah yeah incredibly (laughs) I I now know I can taste cheap wine versus good wine like now yeah we've graduated to like 10 and 15 dollar bottles of wine exactly to be real fancy oh Um, but but even like there's a there's a bottle of wine from Trader Joe's that I really love that is five dollars but doesn't taste like cheap wine and it's nice to be able to like tell the difference of like "Mm, this is cheap wine but it isn't cheap wine yeah no you can tell and, and that's something that, and that's one thing that I actually was thinking about in terms of wine pairing 
with podcasts and audio Mm. drama because I feel like so many important members of the podcasting community are young people, you know, like millennials and, or, and, and now like even Gen Z, I don't exactly know what the, where the cutoff is between those two, but 20 years. So like, yeah, something along the lines of 20 years. Right. So, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of younger people. We're all struggling, you know, right. (laughs) Unless we're very, very lucky. None of us is like rolling in dough, not going to be able to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on wine. And that's something that both in the wine industry and in podcasting, I think that accessibility is really important. Exactly. Yeah. And, and part of the idea of pairing, and I also, my background in wine is I started out at a wine store where every single bottle of wine we had was $20 or under and they were all, and they were all really good. And so that was a great way for me to like enter into the wine world from a like Mm -hmm. pretty unpretentious place of like, there's really good wine. There's good wine out there for $5 a bottle. You have to be careful because there's also shitty wine for $5 a bottle. There's a lot more shitty wine than there is good wine for $5 a bottle. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, but then once you get up to $10, like there's a lot of good, like really good wine for around $10 a bottle. Right. That's so, that's super interesting. Cause I think that that's such an incredibly cognizant pairing is that like, you know, mm-hmm. one of the greatest things about podcasts is people talk about accessibility and it's a lot mm-hmm. of people who never thought that they'd be able to tell stories before or like had an idea of how to tell a sort of weird story that like, if you're not like, to be frank, like if you're not in the entertainment industry, it's like really hard, like having gone through a lot of the rigmarole in the entertainment industry, it's really hard and like absolutely not accessible. And so like, and that's the same thing with wine, where a lot of people, I think, mm-hmm. don't get into wine because they're like, oh, well, it's really stuffy, and I don't know what, like, tannins are and all of this stuff where it's, like... Exactly. You don't have to to be able to enjoy it, and I think that mm-hmm. that's, like, something that's incredibly beautiful about both things is that, like, you... These things can be accessible. You just have to figure out... You just have to find it. Yes, absolutely, and I agree. I agree 100%. Um, there is one wine specifically that I wanted to pair with Red Rhino because I was really proud Ooh, of myself please. and yes. I remembered. Um, there's a wine company in Italy called La Spinetta and they, okay. make wine, they make wine in a couple different parts of Italy, but they are most noti- notable because there's a rhinoceros on all of their <gasps> labels. And so they make one in particular that's called, I think it's called Il Nero di Casanova. And Ooh, yeah, yes. I know, which sounds I love nice this. And sexy. Um, and, <laughs> I love and this a, so much. It's a red wine that they make. And um, it's, it's, I think it's 100% Sangiovese, which is the main group of Chianti Grapes, yeah. and yeah, Montalcino yeah. and stuff like that. But, but yeah, it's delicious. And that one, that one is like, depending on where you find it, probably somewhere around 20 to $25 a bottle. So, okay. A little bit fancier, but not mm-hmm. like outrageous. And and for no, the that's price, like a good yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah, and, like, that's a good like. This is gonna be a nicer like a nicer time. Like my immediate thought was, this is the wine that I'm gonna go get when I write the second half of season two for Red Rhino. <laughs> yes, yes. Please, well, if uh, if you can't find it when I finally come to LA, I'll bring a bottle of it in my yes! suitcase because I 
uh, because I sell it at the store that I work at right now. So perfect. Okay. It will be perfect. Yeah. Can't wait. Yes. I know. Absolutely. Okay. More motivation for me to get get out to LA soon. I keep I keep telling you, come out here. It's I my know, favorite place in the whole world. It's so good. Uh, I know. I I mean I I have been You're to so LA. Close. I know. I'm very close. The flight is super easy. My brother lives in Pasadena now. I have perfect. no excuse. I have no excuse perfect. not to not to yes. do it. Lol, three weeks ago, Emma. Little did you know that in just a few weeks we'd be in a state of near global total lockdown. And that's probably a pretty good reason not to travel. But hopefully, we will soon make it to LA with that bottle of wine in tow. Anything else that you want to talk about about Red Rhino? Or do you want to talk about some of the other podcasts that you've written for or contributed to? Or some of the other podcasts that you know, you enjoy or I know Lead that away, you, baby. Like, yeah, I know that you have contributed to, um, the AM archives yep. and, um, and the bright sessions. Yes. And, uh, we, we've had Lauren on the show a couple times, so mm-hmm. just gotta, gotta give her a quick plug. Love uh, her. Obviously she's the best. And obviously. Yeah. Obviously indeed. we, we love Lauren. Oh, I just, I love that show. I, I'm embarrassed to say that I only just recently read The Infinite Noise. Um, mm-hmm. I should have read it a long time ago, but. Reading, uh, like finding time to read the older you get. I'm I'm very lucky that like this year I have sort of knuckled down on reading, but it, yeah. it's sort of, it's hard to like make the time, especially in this sort of day and age of like, there's, there's no time to breathe, let alone read a book, but it's, I totally. hear you. It's, it's a struggle, but it's such a good book. I, it's I so good. It. I love it so deeply. Caleb and, and Adam. Feel, yeah. Oh, so great. And I feel like there's like a little bit, you know, cause I probably possibly more of our listeners have uh, listened or at least heard of the bright, bright sessions. Yeah. Um, if you like the bright sessions, you'll love red rhino because I feel like <laughs> there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of like coming of age, like really beautiful yeah. coming of age stories going on there as well there's definitely very similar sort of like young kids with powers vibe that don't really know what they're doing totally um, totally yeah there's which there's which is a, just a mood that's just a mood all, I mean, all day <laughs> there's a new there's a new show on netflix that has a uh that has a similar vibe to it that i'm like very uh-huh. curious because i need to watch it uh, but yeah, I mean, like in a way, in a way that like horror was a very good example of coming of age, like dealing with right. the tragedy of growing up. Essentially, I feel like right. superhero stories have started to become more on the like offset recently of like this is like getting superpowers when you're coming of age is sort of like going through adolescence and like totally. what are you doing and how do you deal with it and and in my in my case with Red Rhino, one of the things that I was thinking about was like you know cool I've I've had like we have a story about uh you know a a high school dude that gets superpowers like there's plenty of stories right Um, and so whenever I was coming up with it whenever I was first developing it I was thinking you know how does this how is the story different how is the story Mm -hmm. like telling telling something different than than maybe we've heard before and something that I was thinking a lot about that we don't really talk about is privilege because I absolutely recognize that I'm female so that sort of sucks but I'm a white female and so I have right 
a ton of privilege and I absolutely identify it, but, but we don't, I don't know. I've not come into a lot of stories. I just hadn't seen uh, stories about privilege and what it means to like deal with that. And so that sort of became my, like my coming of age story for this young boy of like, okay, I, I get that I have these powers and they suck, but like yeah. everybody is constantly telling him, cool, you still have powers. You still are more advanced in certain areas than like I'm allowed to be and it sucks yeah. it sucks that I don't have powers and it sucks that I'm not able to speak or like I'm not able to save myself from this it sucks that you're the one that has to save people from it yes but what are you going to do and like that I don't know it became really important for me to sort of work through story because that's that's how I understand many things is working yeah. through story and like absolutely okay, cool. if like this is a narrative of my life and other, the lives of other people. How do you, how, how do you deal with that? What do you, and I don't think that I get it all correctly. I mean, the story is still unfolding and stuff like that, but like, I don't know that that became a val a valuable piece for me to hold through the process of writing. But Rhino was like, okay, like I want to tell a story about privilege and I want to tell a story yeah. about like, what does it mean to be like for those of us who have privilege? Cause we are unfortunately not doing as much as we should <laughs> absolutely um, so I think that's a really important story to tell and like an important story to tell within the context of a superhero story as well right. which I love and that's definitely conveyed through the podcast um oh, yeah. you know thinking about you know I, I you know I think about my privilege all the time like you said I'm white but yeah on on so I have tons of privilege on that on that hand what can I do with that privilege? And the yeah. older I get, the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, what can I actually do to make a difference? Right. And, well, mm -hmm. you become more aware of it and you have to, but like, it's, it, you know, I grew up in the South and it's like, a, mm -hmm. you know, dirty topic or something like that. And it's like, it's not sure. Really. It, it, it shouldn't be. It's a topic yeah. of like, cool, great. I understand it and accept it and acknowledge it let's move forward and work on it like yeah absolutely um, and so that's that's sort of the the what was the motivation going into red rhino um and then i sort of get to do the opposite like the adverse ad aspect yeah um with my writings for the am archives and bright mm -hmm. sessions the thing that i wrote for bright sessions is also uh -huh. behind the paywall um, yeah, but yeah, it's the Damien episode and being mm -hmm. able to sort of write Damien and write from a place of like, uh, Damien. I love Damien. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love Damien so much. Lauren hates how much I love Damien. I'm constantly <laughs> like, but what about Damien? And she's like, no, no. I'm like, but, but I love him. But I love I this love demon garbage child. I, I love him so much. Oh, well, so and I, I've, I, I've pointed out there's something in Damien that I think is very universal and human, mm -hmm. which is that like we don't actually love Damien, Damien, but we love what he, we love him because he expresses a bit of our own self, like our yeah. own darkness. And I keep I keep telling Lauren I'm like, no, I am Damien, and she's like, no, you're not. I'm like, well, I could be. Like that's the thing with Damien as a character is that like, right. You play with the idea of like the darker version of yourself, and like, no, he's yeah. a bad guy. He's absolutely a terrible person. But like, we all could be that terrible person, and that's something that has always been very interesting to me as that character. So yeah, absolutely, getting to play with him was great. I think I think I'm also drawn to him because I'm just I'm generally d drawn to villains, um, and I actually, even though Damien is a complicated 
yeah. villain. Those are, but those are the best ones to me. The ones that aren't just right. like I'm evil and all bad. It's the right. ones who yes. you can see their goodness and their humanity, and and they see... have made a choice time and again. Exactly, they're not arch. They're not weird caricatures. They are making exactly. the choice. The choice is presented to them, and they could go either way, and that's interesting because the con- like the conflict is there. I mean, I'm also drawn to villains based off of just my dating history, but no, oh, uh, yeah, there's yeah, not not in that sense. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but just, there's something. I mean, I mean that's conflict is so interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. That, yeah, I think that's I think that's what it is. It's 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 conflict, and when it's the agent of conflict is like such a compelling person right then then that's when it's really effective when it's not right. just when it's not just black and white um right i uh just quick sidebar i played richard the third as my acting thesis in college oh, so so I yeah i know i know weird but um <laughs> I love it it's but great so i've always been really fascinated by the portrayal of villains and like the history of portrayal of villains in especially mm-hmm. theater and film but also other storytelling mediums um well minkowski's so. a really interesting and complex character within that too because she could That's be true. considered from from well three um whoa numbers left me 359 359 yes yep yep i got there happens. i was it like to me sometimes in there and i was like no i i was like i know it and i saw the numbers in my head but for whatever reason my brain was like there's a six there and i think it's just because i turned the nine upside down I feel like um, I feel like as I get older, I also like am getting a little bit dyslexic, and yep, and like especially with numbers, like I get yes. I don't know if it's from staring at a screen so much or oh, or what it is. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But I I've noticed yeah. that like I get things I get things confused more often. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. Uh, I mean, like Minkowski is a really good example. I feel like of that character mm. where Minkowski is like coded good but sometimes makes bad choices yeah and that's sort of a fun place i mean uh gabrielle has loves to play with that as well so it's it's absolutely yeah in no, terms he... of podcasts that i like listening to that is definitely one of them because i think that's oh, how thank you. i knew of you obviously yeah um, yeah that's that's yeah. how most people get to get to know of me <laughs> for better or that's worse. how most people know <laughs> at this point you say with such point. trepidation well i mean i like it feels sort of like self-indulgent to say <laughs> but at this no. point i feel like most of the people who who know me at least like on the internet know me because of wolf 359 sure. or at least that's the first place they heard me they so find you which, there and they're like oh she's great we'll follow which you is great hey i'll take it because <laughs> yeah as i've said playing minkowski is a total gift even though i wouldn't you know describe her as a as a villain but she has so much more complexity going on right to her and and just like overcoming I mean it was just a dream it was just a dream to be able to like play that part for Mm -hmm. four years and unpack that for four years which is not something most actors get to do unless you're really lucky and you end up on a tv show but but to be able to have have gone on that journey right was incredible right was totally incredible and yeah and and so I think that podcasting really offers that for for actors, for many of us who are actors, 
it's been just amazing to be able to like get this kind of work and do this kind yeah. of work without necessarily, you know, either being in LA, being in New York, or even mm -hmm. if you are there, um, just being able to do something that you can really sink your teeth into. Right. It's just such a gift, such a gift. And that's not to say, you know, that it, <laughs> it it's not to say it doesn't take a lot of work and, oh, uh, absolutely you know, it does. Yes. You know, and but a like, fair amount of, you know, money and funding to like make a podcast, but oh, relatively speaking, it, it goes back to like accessibility, right? Where it's like, this is, that's, that's sort of the, I guess, theme of the evening is that like, yes. it becomes a space that is more accessible than like, for a lot of people, it's not accessible to come to LA or New York. And so, you know, yeah. you're able to still do that work, but like from whatever location that you find yourself in. And, and once yeah. again, like, yes, it takes money. And I can't stress this enough. It takes money. It takes money. Even but... making even making a conversational podcast takes money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. Not that, I, listen, not that much, but. <laughs> well, we talk about this online in comics a lot where it's like, no, we like, we don't get paid to do this, but we like need equipment and we need yeah. better equipment than what we have. And but it's, exactly. it's you know and it it's takes the same time that's, to edit. that's the biggest issue it's is time like, it's mostly it's time, time. Yeah. you're paying for time and that's that's anytime anyone comes up and is like yeah but you could just do this and it's like no no you can't because no that's not that's not ethical <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, but that's something that I think is developing within the podcast community especially the indie podcast community you know mm -hmm. should, I guess we should make that clarification you know that podcasts like serial and and ones I that mean, are funded by by big networks right it's basically the same thing they just have a they just have a a, a support come, structure behind them right I mean that's actually something that I can definitely talk about that I find really yeah. interesting is the difference yeah. between like it, the difference between like what it takes to make a TV show and a podcast, and then yeah. also like that was a question you know, I was going to ask you to talk about if you were, yeah. if you'd be willing. Uh, of course, of course. I mean, like, there's so much that, like, yes, obviously you shoot the show, but like, right. you go through like Supernatural to use the example that I work on is like it is it is of a studio, so like we are of Warner Brothers, and then we right. air on a network, which is. Uh, CW and so both right. of those both of those places kick in money for the work that it takes per episode and like it takes X amount of money per episode right. for a whole season meanwhile you can do a whole season of a podcast really good like you can do a whole season of a podcast for about a hundred thousand dollars which is a lot for some people but like is important this is this is something that like is in preliminary talks right now but like it's important to establish that for studios that are starting to make audio fiction yeah, yeah. or starting to like want to buy audio fiction from creators because there's right. like, the, like right now the big, the big thing, at least in LA is, is IP. And of course that's, what's so great is that when you're creating a podcast, you are creating IP, mm -hmm. um, which is worth more than gold. Uh, yes. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of talk right now and as as things sort of develop from an indie space to a more production savvy space like in a in right. an indie space you are your own production studio and network yeah like, you are the one giving notes to yourself 
giving notes on both the script and the cut. Like mm-hmm. I, I have uh, my director is a co-producer and then I have uh, my producer who's also like a line producer essentially. Uh-huh. Um, and I constantly am giving them like giving them the scripts and, and letting them, I don't let them listen to the cuts as much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Not let isn't the same, isn't the correct usage of the word, but they don't yeah. necessarily need to listen to the cuts as much because they're like, we trust right. you. Right. Um, but like the scripts I always give to them and, and have them give me notes on it because A, I love notes. Notes are beautiful. Notes yeah. are amazing. Um, yes. And B, it just helps to have, but I'm the one in charge of that, right? Like, right. Because you're an indie show versus these other shows like, like serial, but even to utilize. So like the AM archives is, is now in Luminary and Luminary right, is a bad example, right. but like they're to put it on like another show, maybe they, they would have to, uh, Luminary is like pretty, pretty low key, like laid it back. Seems like but, it, it seems like yeah. they, they give a lot of creative control to the, right. Right. To, but like the idea being that like, if other people are putting money into your show, you have to give them sort of a heads up on, this is the direction the story is going and this is right. sort of what we're planning on doing. And um, there's there's a lot more uh, fingers and pies uh, mm-hmm, on that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. It's just, a, it's just a level of like, once again, creative freedom and accessibility. Um, right. When you're getting more money for a thing, you have to sort of give more leeway and credence to a thing. Yeah, I was just going to say to tie this back into the wine world just a little bit. It always it's all it's all the same. You know, it, there's so many yeah. con- there's oh, yeah. so many correlations between entertainment and and art and and wine. Um hence why I came up with this podcast. That's but, right. Well, also um, making wine is art. Like that's It just... is. It absolutely is. Yeah. And so like y- you'll often find most wineries, especially like big name, well-established wineries, like most wineries in Napa. And I don't know if, if I can like generalize in, in parts sure. of Europe, but generally speaking, there's a winery owner and a winemaker and they are not necessarily the same person. And right. sure. it works, it works differently in each mm-hmm. winery. Like I've, I've been to some where like the owner will give full creative control to the winemaker and just be like, you do whatever you want to do. And, mm-hmm. um, and we'll, and we trust you and that like what you make is what we'll produce. Right. But then there are some where like, there might be a little bit less of that, of that kind of relationship right. and where the owner might want a little bit more control and say, Oh no, you want to ferment in, stainless steel I want you to ferment in oak barrels you know or something like that like that's a small example but like and then in in a region like Burgundy in France which is like super bougie and right uh, (laughs) they have their whole own system there's like there's the winemaker then there's like the winery owner and then there are negotiants for the like mm-hmm. company for like the importer companies and exporter companies and like there's this whole system mm-hmm. um and so it's it's kind of fun there are like quote unquote indie wineries almost that's not sure. what they, oh, I'm sure. that's not what they call themselves but, right. but that's basically what they are they and function so it's always, as yeah exactly and so it's always nice finding those and those are often you know if they get if they're not in the if they're not in the states, if they get imported to the states, they usually are working with like smaller importers and smaller right. 
yeah so it's it's just interesting it's just interesting and you know like one is not better than the other no um, it's, but it's, it's all just about, a different way of doing things right like ultimately it comes down to it's all about taste like there are yes. some people who are going to like specific type of podcast that will then say oh well I don't like the the bigger produced podcasts because right. I like the sort of what everything that I am getting out of the like indie podcast scene like connection to the the uh creators which I'm bad at this is one of the reasons why I'm yeah. like I'm so bad when it comes to marketing which is the thing where I'm like oh me I would too. love to be paid by someone else because then they could market it and I yes I, I, me I too <laughs> we it took us like a billion years to get this call settled you know what I mean like, I, know, I, can't, I, I can't even like do yeah. a tweet on time absolutely not oh no, um, I'm I'm the same way I like I am just so bad at marketing and, and oh. it like stresses me out. And I, I, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I can't handle this right yeah. now. <laughs> it's not, it's not what I would, I would consider fun, but it's fun for other people or other yes. people have a better understanding of it than I do. But exactly. like, ultimately what it comes down to is that like, there, there are certain things and certain tastes for other people. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's why the indie podcast community sort of grew the way that it did is because it was a lot of people who said to each other, oh, I also like this thing. This is very similar yeah. to the thing that I also like. And so yeah. you had it coming from away. And, and similar like what you're talking about with wine, where it's like mm -hmm. all it takes is is a group of people who like this one thing to make this be a good thing. Like Exactly. Or a thing exactly. that works or grows or gets money. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As long as that as long as there are like a small dedicated group of people either an audience or consumers or right. whatever you want to call it I mean in terms in terms of podcasting the beauty is as long as you have the money to produce it right. then it's out there in the world and that's great um, with wine it's like there has to be a certain amount of consumption or else they can't well, do right, it exactly. unless exactly. unless um, unless they're you know at, are, they have generational wealth, which a lot of winemakers do, actually. Yeah, sure. It's often inherited generation to generation. Those are all thoughts that, like, I, 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 things that I think about on a very frequent basis mm -hmm. of just, like, accessibility and how to, how, to make, how to make both wine and podcasts viable uh, careers for, yeah. for the people who want to create them, because I do think that they should be. Um, yes. And they should be able to make a career out of that, um, yes. but also, but also balance that with, you know, quality expectations and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, making sure that you're doing a good job at what you're, at what you're putting forth. Yeah. And, I mean, ultimately I was just reading uh, this book of essays on writing science fiction and fantasy and mm. oh, it was, it's great. Oh, I, really I might want to, I might want to read that. Oh yeah. No, pass absolutely. it along. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Follow me on Goodreads, my new favorite social media platform. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, that sounds like the best social media platform. I'm it, not on it Goodreads. Oh, but it girl. seems like, it seems so wholesome. It <laughs> is. Oh, it's so good. It's just a bunch of book nerds who are so excited about books. Yes. Um, it is, what I it want. is the reason that I, it is the reason that I've been reading more is because I can like, tr I can be like, okay, I've read this amount of pages today and like track yeah. how much I'm getting of the book done. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they were talking about it in, um, in this essay that I was reading was like, he was talking about how he's like, originally, like, he's like, here's some ideas of like writing science fiction. It's all about character. And then yeah. after that, he was like, but beyond that, it's about a good story. And he's like, mm -hmm. 
you know, he was like, here are the, like, the five tenets of writing science fiction. Fin- like, write it, finish it, find a publisher, sell it to a publisher, put it out in the world. And he's yeah. like, that's actually the most important part about writing science fiction. And he was like, it doesn't, because ultimately it doesn't matter. You just have to tell yeah. a good story. He's yeah. like, people will say that, well, you got it because, like, you were able to sell it because you were a person who sells stuff and so therefore people are gonna right. buy it from you he's like no publishers will also not buy things from me yeah. if it's a bad story like right they right. don't care and that's the same thing for television it's the same thing for audio dramas that like yeah. you know all finding your audience it's the same thing for wine finding yeah. your audience and just like absolutely put it out there you just have to tell a good story you just have to like care about that more than you care about money or whatever it is that you want to make like that's yep. that stuff's important and you should get paid and you should make sure right. that, that happens but like but that can't be the goal that can't be it that can't be yeah. your main yeah mm-hmm. you will be forever disappointed always. yeah there's lots of there's lots of other careers you can take yeah, if you just exactly. want to make money <laughs> exactly and honestly yeah. no like no harm no foul more power to you like if, if yeah, money exactly. is your goal my dude, Absolutely. that's great. Love that journey for you. It is just yeah. not. It's just not going to be here. Yeah, it might be eventually, but like that, that can't be your driving force. Exactly. Like I, uh, I, I think that most of my friends, like both from high school and college, you know, because I was a theater kid, right, and and a, and a writer, and and so I would I was like rolling with those kinds of people, and yeah. Um, at this point, I'm one of the few people left of my really good friends who is still like pursuing creativity yeah. um, as my career. Yeah. And not, which is not to say that's all that I'm doing, but a lot of people made a choice that that was not what they wanted to do anymore. And yeah. like, absolutely more power to you. Most of my friends became social workers, which mm. is, is, is a very noble profession. And I, and I, give, I would argue uh, more important than writing, but you know, yeah, well, you know, it, it, I know you can't, I, you can't put a value on, on art. I think you can't, but I always joke, but there's a, there's, um, I always, I always say it more from a sense of like, there are a lot of people in my particular profession that can get really big heads on stuff yeah, and, and be like, Oh, well, this is like really important. And I'm a big deal. And I'm like, you're not saving a life like right, you, this right. is really important and you might be like metaphorically saving lives but like ultimately there are noble professionals that do not get paid the amount that tv does get paid at the end of the day and so it's like you know right there is there is that there is that sort of disparity uh i recognize that i'm i'm sort of counterpointing myself in terms of the fact that like well at least but but ultimately, like, no, it is. It's a thing of, of like, you have to have the passion for, uh, like, the creatives because, uh, as many, many people said before I got into this, like, if you don't love it, don't do it. Yeah. Because uh, it's hard. I was also told, and, and it's, I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty common line, but if there's yeah. anything else that you yeah. can do, Absolutely. do that. <laughs> and I um, never understood it until I think about a year ago, I finally yeah. understood. And I, cause I've started to say that too. And yeah. I'm like, I hate it. I hate that I'm I, that person I know, saying this. I know. <laughs> I know. But it but, also like, it's hard. It's, it's so really hard. hard. It's and really hard. Heartbreaking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, for, you know, thank goodness for people like you who are like working their heart out and uh 
you know, doing great work in, uh, in many different. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, this led me to, to, we, you've sort of touched on this, but there's one question I wanted to ask you, because a question that I get all the time as an actor is, you know, what's the difference between, you know, acting for audio versus acting on the stage versus acting on film. And I, I wondered if you had any insight about, like you mentioned that, uh, project that you, that film, like a silent film that you had mm -hmm. written and I was just wondering if you could talk to you a little bit like what's the difference between the writing process for audio and the writing process for something that is visual yeah it's weird because there are differences in visual mediums that actually audio works really well towards so like yeah I've written audio and animation and mm -hmm. live action mm -hmm. and uh, animation is actually, nobody in animation likes it whenever I say this, but animation <laughs> is actually really close to podcasts because huh. you that have That makes to... sense to me. Thank but... you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> animation people are always like, no, it's not because it's a visual medium. And I'm like, sure. But you have sure. to write to, like, you have to write towards, so with, and, and this is something that I'm, I'm also super annoyed about right now and I, I think we're, uh -huh. we're fixing but like there's no standard audio script um there's mm -hmm. no standard like with a film yep. script there is a very specific like this is the standard yeah. way to write a tv script because right. you are writing for hundreds of people that work on the script and so therefore like right. everybody has to break it down you have to write it this way and so writing writing for audio is a lot like writing both for animation and for comic books, actually. Uh-huh, um, uh -huh. That makes sense, too. Because you have to write... You In audio, you're writing towards a your audio engineer, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, like, I'm not even writing for my uh, actors. I am now because I know how my actors work and I know, like, right. what they read and how they read things. And Sure, um, sure. Yes. So writing for comics, you're writing for um, your artist and your editor, but more right. specifically your artist. Right. Um, and so for your audio engineer, it's sort of like, well, what is helpful for you? And like, what is helpful yeah. for you to like say? And so you're you're making a meal out of the sound beats. You're making a meal out of like, this is where I want music. And this is where I want like my yeah. sound engineer I've worked with. I love him very, very much. And so I've worked with him for mm -hmm. a fair amount of time now. And so I sort of know like, he sort of knows without me having to put it in. I still do, but like, he's pretty good about it. Mm -hmm. um, but for like new, new sound engineers, I'm always like, oh, okay, like let me sort of spell out like this is sure. And you have to think about like you have to think about what you want the audience to visualize. Yeah. Um, and so, whereas with writing live action, you're writing for a bunch of people because you mm -hmm. have to like you're writing for you're writing for for props you're writing for special effects you're writing for vfx you're writing sure. for um and so there's a lot of different things that you have to sort of convey to everybody right in right. our case in vancouver to be like okay like i i these are the things that i want like i, I it was interesting because i was talking to our props person when i was up in vancouver a couple weeks ago uh -huh. um and she was like uh do you do you like this thing and i was like yeah um, and she, and I was like, oh, I, I like, I love it because I didn't think that you would take this seriously or something like that. I said something along the lines of it. Uh -huh. She's like, no, I know. But like, we never know. This is why it's nice to have a writer on set. But like, she was like, we never know if like the color, like say 
for instance, the walls are green. This is a set deck thing more so, but like, right. You, you, you mentioned, you happen to mention in, in the background that like the walls, like the walls are green or whatever. And they're like, okay, we're going to make the walls green. And yeah. Like, you go up there and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that like they would be this green or that you would really do it. And they were like, well, yeah, right. because you wrote it in here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, it's more of like being much more intentional of what like visually is taking place versus like what you're trying to inspire. I feel like auditorially, you don't have to worry about those things. But what you do have to worry about is you have to um, be really intentional with like what images you are inspiring and what sounds that you want to create in order to understand that like one person is walking this way it's it's similar i think to like improv where once you mm. establish a table that table is there and you can't right. like you have to yeah. be super cognizant that the fact that the table is always there rather than mm -hmm. having the table on set in a live action script um, yeah yeah so, that's a really that's a really cool analogy i like that yeah i just finished reading an improv book so that's still very there very you deep go in my mind <laughs> love improv i, I know, i'm not too. a i'm not a funny person and i can't do it i will never really write comedy and i will never uh -huh. really like these are just things that don't apply to me but i love comedy and i love people yeah. who can write it and who can act in it um mm -hmm. i've had many an arguments with uh my friend felix who's from the wooden overcoats uh overcoats uh -huh. podcast because we'll get into it because uh -huh. he's like no it's harder to do drama and i'm like no no it's not are you kidding me? It's the easiest thing to make people sad. You just be like, and then the dog oh, wow. and everyone's like, oh, yeah. Versus, it's extremely hard to like be it, it to make people laugh. And in fact, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that most comedy actors can are, are some of the best drama actors. I have the same, I have the same theory as well. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think comedy is way harder. It's than, so much harder. It's um, so much harder. It is so much harder. And um, so I love reading about it. And I love reading about other people's like views on comedy. Cause I, I yeah. take that and then put it into my sadness stuff. And then I'm like, this is, this is how I like to do it. Uh, cause like I couldn't, I couldn't be in a punch up room. Like goodness. I would make the jokes worse. I'd be like, yeah. well, how can we make them sadder? They're like, that's not yeah. the point of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, so. I feel, I feel the same way. Like I can, I can do comedy and I've gotten to the point where, especially like a certain kind of comedy, sure. I, I, I feel like I, I have a pretty good grasp on like generally like British like dark humor like I right. can sort of yeah. I can sort of do that but but improv I'm really bad at and I have so much respect for people who do improv um and are like there are some people who are just so freaking funny and mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat I'm like how do you do it <laughs> it's so it? much I, I I mean like I said like I learned so much from this book in terms of how to take yeah. how to improvise because to me a lot of writing is improvisation mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and so something that the this particular book was teaching me was like how to take how to take it seriously like how do you yeah. take the improvisation seriously and like yeah there I I just I they have to be so fast like I I just learned so much from improvisers and like how to ingest from improvisers because improvisers like funny people have to watch everything and be aware of everything and like, yeah which is which is lessons that I learn all the time and just in terms of like you have to know what what is out there you have to know what's on the market and then you have to know like what rules you want to break and, yeah. and like you have to know what the rules are in order to break them and 
so it's absolutely there's so much I think that can be can be learned from that and like there's honestly oddly enough there's been a lot of um podcasts have been great for uh mm-hmm. my uh my love of improv improvisation and improvisers because yeah. I don't in LA if you want to see improv shows it's like 10 o'clock on a weekday over the right. hill which I just right I'm, I'm old and don't do absolutely um, yep <laughs> right I'm like no thanks but there are so many great uh, podcasts now with improvisers yeah. from the greatest of impro- uh, comedy places, which is Chicago. Yes. Um, no, I, I wanted to mention, because there was one other podcast that you'd mentioned talking about, which I think isn't Hello from the Magic Tavern. Yes. Uh, I love those guys. They yes, are some no, of the funniest people. Um, so good. So and good. They've introduced me because the way that their show works is, you know, they have a very lax plot, uh, mm-hmm. to say the least. But, yes. Yes. <laughs> but um, what's really interesting is that, like, through because they also have a pulse on the particular industry, they have introduced me to a lot of improvisers that I am now sort of like. they're on my radar of like following and being like oh okay like this like the book that I read was by one of their their um guests on the show that I was like oh super cool fascinating yeah um and so I mean that's another really cool thing at least from my perspective of of wanting to produce things and and put things out in the world like podcasts have been great because like I don't go to Chicago all that much uh yeah and yeah so but being able to know like what improvisers are out there and like who who to sort of watch for and listen to has been incredibly uh helpful and and I don't know I I feel like I it's given me access in a way that I normally wouldn't because that's it's just not an area like I said like I don't go up to Chicago all that much but absolutely and it reminds me of something that a theater professor of mine said um you know, because, you know, when you're an actor and you're in a theater major, it's so insular and you be, you can be you right. can get so obsessed with what you're doing and like forget about the rest of the world. Absolutely. And, yeah. And she she made Coincidentally, it. It's the same thing for a, a religion kid, because that was I, also my oh, issue. And that's why I was like, oh, I can't. <laughs> it is, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, a lot of what we talk about in theater is kind of the relationship between theater and ritual and religious mm-hmm. practices. And I think yeah, that there so is, true. I think there is a lot of connection there. But one thing that this professor said was, uh, she said, it's really important to cross train. And by that, mm. she meant like, you need to like, subject yourself or immerse yourself in some things that may not be necessarily like, what you're good at or what you want to do but like if you're an actor take a writing class or if Mm -hmm. you're a writer you know take a take an improv class or uh you know even if it even if it's not something that you're eventually going to do with your life right it's really really valuable and you can learn so many skills uh from 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 doing different things so i just thought i just thought it's so true. I mean, one of my one of my favorite books on the planet is this book called Originals by Adam Grant. And uh-huh. it I think I've heard I've heard of that oh, book. Oh yes. Lord, I love that book. But one of one of the things it talks about, like it's and it stuck with me for forever, was one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I read the improv book was on 
you know, we're so insular, like you're saying, and like, we're so stuck in our boxes. And it right. uses an example of Seinfeld. Um, huh. Because uh, when Larry David was trying to sell Seinfeld, he pitched it to everybody at NBC, all of the comedy execs at NBC, and none of them took to it because it was so outside the box. It was so like right. different right. than the format. And then an executive at NBC who wasn't in comedy specifically, like scripted comedy, but he was in uh, variety shows. Uh-huh. Like he's the guy that was like... SNL and things like that uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, heard the pitch and knew it was a good idea yeah and spearheaded it but and like the point of Adam that Adam Grant was making is that like he was on the outside of this particular like this wasn't necessarily his understanding of it but like he was able to see that it was a good idea and an original idea because right. he wasn't basically insulated by these specific rules that like it doesn't look like this and it doesn't fit in these boxes but because I am not adhering to these boxes I can still tell it's still part of my world without having to be exactly my world and yeah Mm -hmm. so I think about that all the time just in terms of like what you're saying where it's like taking other classes and taking like reading books that aren't necessarily mine I watch a lot of comedies because I'm not like not a comedy person and so absolutely yeah absolutely no I think that I think that that's really important and really like reflects uh, in in one's work or in one's life when you when you are curious and you do branch out mm-hmm. and like in, immerse yourself in other things that are not necessarily your immediate interest. And right. I'm definitely trying to do that more and more um, mm-hmm. because it can be hard outside of like the context of school where you are quote unquote required to like do a certain amount of things. It's hard to find. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That kind of structure is hard to find. Right. You almost have to like create your own curriculum, which I'm not opposed to doing, but Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) The the older I get, the more I miss school. (laughs) I will never ever miss school. It was not the space for me, but I miss There you go. I miss independent study. That was where I excelled. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In high school, that was definitely my favorite. One last wine that I wanted to mention, because we were talking about like wines that are, that are like affordable and accessible. Um, There's one, one that's a favorite of mine that you can find, like they sell it in the Whole Foods here. So I I think it's pretty Mm. widely accessible, but it's a South African wine or actually two different, two different wines. Um, One's white, one's red, but they're called the Curator. And I feel like that Ooh. just feels that just feels appropriate for the conversation we've been having. There's something that. about curating and, and right. art and yeah, like talking about mm-hmm. your own experience. And they make curating a red... your media consumption. Exactly. Curating your media consumption. And yeah. as you do that, you should drink some uh is one of the the white is a Chenin Blanc blend, which is my favorite. Mm. And um, and the red is really good too. I think it's like Shiraz based. Mm. Okay. So it's it, but it's very it's very tasty. Um. So mm. both of those and both of those are around ten dollars a bottle. So oh wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So highly recommend those. Excellent. Okay, and it's South African. Yes, which okay. is not necessarily my favorite region, or I'm very very picky. Well, is there um is there anything else that you'd like to touch on? In terms of audio drama, I feel like we've we've uh, covered covered a few big ones and mm-hmm. uh, had a really lovely conversation about 
yeah. just, you know, working in art in general. I love um, so it. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and experience. Absolutely. Happy but to if do there's, it. If there's anything else that you want to touch on, I mean, there's a lot so. of podcasts out there. There are so podcasts. many. And yeah. I, I mean, we could, we could be here. We could, you could have a whole series on I mean, just podcasts. If you had to say red or white for Ooh. podcast listening, what would be your suggestion? I know it like differs because there's so many different yeah. types of podcasts. Yeah. Um, but just as like an overall, like if you're listening to a podcast. Overall, if you're listening to a podcast. And you want my like inst- a drink of wine. My instinct is white wine. Um, okay. I think it would be different for every different. Actually, I'll cheat and say rosé. <laughs> but also that makes sense Uh, i i love rosé personally Um, i do but i something so so either rosé or white generally speaking i don't know just because just because i feel like it's it's like generally a little bit more consumable and Mm -hmm. while red wine can be like really tannic or really I don't know. I just generally when I'm when I'm like sitting around or if I'm like doing chores around the house or something, I'm listening to a podcast. If I were to be drinking a glass of wine during that, I'd want to be drinking a glass of white wine because it's like a little bit more refreshing and right and keeps me keeps me sharper. It's a crisp living wine, which I would say like, yeah, that's what you're doing with podcasts versus like an event. It's it's interesting because like podcasts are things that you can do and they they carry with you and are yes. very intimate because it is in like your ears mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. like an event like a, a episode of television or a movie or something like that where it's like yeah. it's more of a you're you're doing this as a special occasion so you're going to have this like special wine or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think I think that's sort of where my head is at. Now okay. that being said, I'm an equal opportunity red and white wine drinker, so uh, I could change of my course, mind tomorrow. Of course, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And I am well, and it like I feel like it depends. I know I saw that. I I, I know like, I'm a red wine girl always. So like the fact there that you go. gave me a red wine for red rhino, which oh, like of course you have to. But I was <laughs> like, okay, to. good. Red rhino is is definitely a red wine podcast thank you no no white wine allowed (laughs) no definitely not we don't we don't live well here we we drink to excess on red wine red wino is what i almost yeah yeah. (laughs) that's That's where it is that's where it is that's (laughs) that's the after hours special (laughs) (laughs) that's right well megan thank you so so much for being here on pairing and uh, sharing all of your your expertise and experience. Honored um, to be here. We've talked we've talked about a few different things, but is there anything else that you'd like to plug or have people check out? We've got we've we talked about Red Rhino. We talked about wine and comics, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. that little that little show called Supernatural. I was gonna say I mean, yeah. check out Red Rhino, wine and comics, and Supernatural, and I feel yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> you covered then- my bases pretty well. You'll get the full Megan Fitzmartin experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you you know, add in Africa by Teledo and some chloroform and you've got me in a nutshell. And... <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, I got a brand. Uh, I got a weird brand, but I got a brand. 
you know what? Own it. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Megan, cheers till we can share a bottle of red wine soon. Cheers. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.